Hey everyone, welcome to the Canine Culture Podcast, where we talk about everything dog. Q&As with veterinarian professionals, rescue operators, everyday topics. We cover everything dog on this podcast. So make sure you subscribe to the Canine Culture Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And make sure you're following us on social media on both Instagram and Facebook. Thanks again for listening. Now here's that next episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Canine Culture Podcast. This is your host, Brittany. And today we are joined by Melissa Allen. She is a veterinary well-being coach. So thank you for joining us, Melissa. Yeah, so glad to be here, Brittany. So today we're going to talk about health and wellness as a dog owner. And it might not sound like a person's health and wellness goes hand in hand with their dog, but it does. Uh, So we're going to kind of dive into that. But first, Melissa, tell everyone you know, who you are, what you do, give everyone a little bit of background. Yeah. So I accidentally started two businesses. <laughs> so I run, <laughs> uh, my formal title is lifestyle medicine coach because I'm double board certified in health and wellness coaching and as a lifestyle medicine professional. So I guess I should open up with what that even means because a lot of people hear the term lifestyle medicine and they don't know what it is. But it's basically just using our health behaviors to promote our well-being. So there are six different pillars. Uh, we look at increasing physical activity, improving nutrition, um, practicing effective stress management strategies, getting healthy sleep, positive social connections, and then avoiding risky substances like tobacco, vaping, alcohol, all that stuff. Um, So it's kind of a nice, well-rounded approach to health and well-being. And so I operate under my Melissa with a Y umbrella, because for for those of you who are listening, my name is spelled with a Y instead of an I, and then I kind of played off of that. So it's a little complicated sharing when you can't see it in front of you. But if you look at the show notes, you'll be able to see it. (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, and then on, on that same kind of line, I started noticing that a lot of my friends in veterinary medicine, especially during the pandemic, were really struggling and there wasn't any attention being brought to it. You know, they were going through the same PPE shortage, staff shortages. They were worried about the safety of their, you know, friends and family and things like that. And, uh, and I was only connected in that world because I used to be an animal trainer. So uh, my little shtick is, you know, I say I went from training animals to training humans because it was the next <laughs> challenge that I wanted to take on. Um, but yeah, I really, I really enjoy just helping people kind of meet themselves where they're at and then figure out where they want to go in terms of, you know, how do they want their life to look? What, it, what are the action steps that it's going to take to get there? And specifically working with veterinary professionals, it's, it's a lot different just because there's so many unique occupational stressors that they kind of have to navigate. So, um, so I started my brand Veterinary Wellbeing Buddy to specialize with that. And, uh, and that's a play off of my dog's name. Buddy is my 13 and a half year old golden lab mix, uh, my sweet little angel boy. And uh, I also have a cat that's now one year old. His name is Jackie, and we rescued him after Hurricane Ian last year. So he's been in our lives for almost a year now. That's awesome. Yeah, so a lot of what you talked about, I don't think people fully understand that the stressors that vets kind of face, um, especially during the pandemic, because vets actually got really busy. Everyone was home with their pets. They were noticing, oh, well, you know, little buddy has has a limp. 
Uh-huh. Uh, you know, little Jackie seems to paw at her face a lot, different things like that. And so mm-hmm. vets were kind of facing that. So while some people were working from home and maybe taking extra naps and being able to binge Netflix, I think <laughs> right. a lot of vets unfortunately felt the effects times two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that, you know, what you did really filled that gap. And so, you know, similarly with the owners, and that's kind of what we're going to get into today, and this is applicable for both pet owners and for, for vets, of course, mm-hmm. um, is just like understanding the correlation between your health and wellness and your pet's health and wellness and how having a pet, having a dog can actually be very beneficial. So, you know, one of the things that I think most people know is that owning a pet or a dog, and we'll we'll just kind of stick with dogs here, yeah. but <laughs> owning a dog is normally a positive impact on your health and well-being, and and it doesn't have to be necessarily a, an emotional support dog or a right. service animal, just generally. Uh, so, do you want to talk a little bit about that? I know you have some different statistics with. Um, you know, dog owners and that correlation there. So you want to talk about the stats of like how pet ownership positively impacts health and well-being? Yeah. So when we look at it from a lifestyle medicine perspective, you know, we're really trying to focus on using our, our behaviors on a more therapeutic level. And when it comes to pet ownership, you have to take care and make sure that your dog is happy and healthy too. And you also need to make sure that they're taking their bathroom breaks. So a lot of times just owning a dog by nature is going to require you to get outside more, to be more active because you're going to have to walk them so they can use the bathroom. Um, So right there, you're already increasing your physical activity. Now, in terms of stress management, just like you shared, you know, people have emotional support animals, but just kind of being around dogs can provide a nice calming effect. There's some literature out there, the research that shows it can lower our blood pressure, it can help to reduce our heart rate, and those are all parts of our relaxation response, which is, um, uh, oh gosh, not counterintuitive. Uh, it counteracts the stress response. That's the word I was looking for. So when, when our stress response is activated, our relaxation response gets suppressed. So when we can activate our relaxation response, it helps to suppress our stress response. So being around animals, interacting with dogs, petting them, snuggling with them, um, even just having them in the room sometimes has been shown to have some of those calming effects. But Looking at, you know, some more of the research, there was actually a study that showed um, dog owners tend to be 57% more likely to reach the physical activity recommended guidelines. So I like to say, you know, if you have healthy humans, you got happy dogs. And when we're looking at the guidelines for physical activity, that includes around 150 minutes per week of moderate intensity activity. So, um, you know, that's going to be where you're able to kind of carry on a conversation, but you're not going to be belting out Broadway tunes, right? You're going to be a little bit out mm-hmm. of breath. Um, so, you know, even right there, having that increase in physical activity because you're taking care of your dog is going to have a nice positive effect on your health and well-being. And I think one thing to kind of emphasize here is in some cities, so like when I lived in New York City, we were much more active having a dog because we had to go down four flights of stairs. You had to walk them. There's no elevator, of course. <laughs> sure. Oh gosh. And then you would walk him everywhere. 
And moving back to Florida, I did notice you're a little more inclined to just kind of open the back door and let them roam in the backyard. Sure. But there's plenty of, and this is a whole other conversation, a whole other topic, but taking dogs on walks for them, it's, it's a form of enrichment. It's a mm -hmm. way for them to kind of um, fulfill their needs, if you will, like letting them explore new areas, letting them sniff, letting them just kind right. of be active and out and about. So, you know, it's just beneficial just generally to you and your pet to just get out more and to take them for walks. Yeah, because that's definitely going to get you some exposure and time out in nature, which also has some nice physical, mental and emotional well-being benefits for us. Uh, but not only that, you know, when you're taking your dog out on walks, you're more likely to run into other people that are out on walks with their dogs, too. So then that can also boost your social connectedness, which um, it's crazy because if we are not... If we don't have strong social relationships and bonds and connectedness in our lives, it can actually have more of an impact on our physical well-being and the negative health effects that can come from that lack of those strong supports. It's greater than physical inactivity. It's greater than the risk of obesity. And it can be equivalent to smoking 16 cigarettes a day because oh, it's wow. just, yeah, it's just going to have um, that impact on your physical well being. It's really hard to explain, but when we're around other people, we get that dose of oxytocin, which is like the feel good hormone. And when that is released, our blood vessels start to relax. And again, it kind of kicks in that relaxation response. So a lot of the negative effects from stress can be counteracted through that positive social connection. And I use the term positive social connection because if you're around some people that are more of like the negative Nelly, Debbie Downer status, mm -hmm. like that's not going to do anything for your health and well-being except right. make it worse <laughs> right and again this is something else we kind of saw with with lockdown during the height yeah. of covid and i think you really saw a lot more people facing uh not only mental health problems and a mm -hmm. mental health crisis if you will that i think we've uncovered yeah. uh but i also think it was correlated to you know a decrease in immune systems or um you know, just general well-being, being able to fight yeah. off COVID or other things. And then once we were back out and exposed to the world, you noticed a lot of people getting the flu, getting the cold, mm -hmm. getting strep throat. And I think we're still seeing that. So, yeah. you know, all around, I, I think we can kind of now see our eyes have been open to this full picture, this full circle. Everything is connected. Everything mm -hmm. is related. It's not mental health in a bucket physical health in a bucket, right. it, you know, it's really all interconnected. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I love practicing lifestyle medicine because it, it truly highlights that, you know, we might think of that, you know, just focusing on physical activity might help us lose weight or, you know, eating better might help lower our cholesterol, but truly like it can improve your mood. It can help fight off and protect you against things like burnout, compassion fatigue, which we see a lot of in the veterinary industry. So even just those lifestyle choices can impact our total well-being and bringing that to the forefront and trying to make a habit out of it is going to be something important as we move forward. 
I think you read my mind because I was going to get into habit formation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, um, and it's funny because um, I'm reading like five different books. I have ADHD. I'm never going to read just one book. I'm going to have it. five or six that are open. Uh, and four of them are on habits. Uh-huh. And there's obviously a set uh, formula, if you will, for habit formation. Mm-hmm. And it's the same for both dogs and for humans. So talk a little bit about that because I don't think everyone has fully wrapped their mind around, you know, quote unquote, forming a habit. Right. And, you know, I always try to say we can't change what we don't know. So the first thing is even just recognizing what habits you have in the first place, because um, it's shocking, but Research has shown that we tend to make an average of 35,000 choices each and every day. And we might not feel like it's that much. I don't know. Some days it feels like that for me. But but when we look at each and every action we take is a choice that we make throughout the day. But some of it we might not even recognize because we just kind of go on autopilot. It's just part of our routine, part of our day. And so we kind of have to reverse engineer when we want to make changes in our life. And so, you know, earlier I joked that I went from training animals to training humans, but the, the basics is kind of the same foundation. When we look at, you know, training our dogs, what's the first thing that we have to do? We have to teach them what the behavior is, right? And then there has to be something to tell them and ask them what is the behavior that we want to see from them. And then we follow it up with some kind of reward. And so that's kind of the framework, right? There's a cue that leads to a behavior that leads to a reward. And that foundation right there, you know, I'm thinking on the positive reinforcement side of things, when you're looking at a reward, you're typically going to give your dog a treat when they do what you're asking them to do. And Mm -hmm. so when we translate that over into human behavior, it's the same outline. We have some sort of cue that triggers our behaviors. And when we engage in that behavior, we might not get a treat ourselves, but there's some kind of reward that comes from it, whether we know it or not. And so we can think about an example of brushing our teeth, right? You know, when you wake up in the morning, you've got that gross, grimy feeling, or after you've had your morning coffee, um, your mouth just feels kind of gross. And so that is your cue to engage in the behavior of brushing your teeth. So then you go through, you brush your teeth, and that in itself is a habit too, because I'm sure you're not thinking about each and every surface of your teeth that you're brushing over and mm-hmm. your mind kind of wanders. And then if you have an electric toothbrush like I do, the two minutes pops off and you're like, oh, oh gosh, okay, I, I don't even know if I got my whole mouth clean. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then once you're done with the behavior of brushing your teeth, you spit out your toothpaste, look in the mirror, give yourself a big smile, and it's all minty fresh. And so that fresh, clean feeling is the reward. And when we experience that reward, it's going to reinforce the cue for the next time our mouth feels gross and grimy, we'll be more likely to brush our teeth. And then that is called the habit loop from the cue to the behavior to the reward. And that essentially becomes ingrained as a pathway in our brain. So all of our neurons kind of, you know, fire together to reinforce that habit loop so that over time we don't have to think about what we're doing. It just becomes part of our everyday kind of routine. Um, So the good thing about habits is that they're learned. The bad news is that it takes a while to learn habits. So it could take a while to unlearn habits that you've also built over time and want to make changes with. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's, 
you know, even though it's the same process for training your dog, it is sometimes difficult. And the difficulty there, I think, lies in your consistency. So if you're Mm, tired or you've had a long day, maybe you don't want to spend five, 10 minutes on working on place or working on Mm -hmm. sit or down. And so I think a lot of it stems from us. Um, And then I think one of the other issues is the fact that, you know, our dogs can't communicate. So uh, there's definitely like fatigue if you work for too long one day or, Mm -hmm. uh, or if you're kind of just doing the same thing over and over Maybe it's not a high value treat. That's the reward. Or maybe the reward is just a pet on the head. And they're like, I'm done with pets. I don't need any more pets. So I think it can get difficult, uh, kind of creating those habits and training your dog, but it is the same, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think kind of the lesson there, just like with you brushing your teeth, when you wake up, that's a consistent pattern you've had probably your whole life. Right. Same thing with dogs. It's just that building that consistency. So always making sure that you're giving that same cue, that you are always asking for that same behavior. You're not asking for several behaviors. I've right. mixed that up before, you know, trying <laughs> yeah. to add a few behaviors in there. And then that you're always doing some kind of reward, whether it's verbal, whether it is a treat, which, you know, we don't mm-hmm. want to do too many treats, but essentially <laughs> yeah. just staying consistent. And so... Uh, one thing to think about, and you kind of mentioned this in, um, some notes that you'd sent me is who's training who Oh yes. and talking about how our patterns influence our pets. And one thing that uh, there's a couple that I've noticed with me, but since, well, I guess really since lockdown, I started working out in my garage every mm-hmm. morning mm-hmm. and yeah. I didn't realize my dogs knew it until uh recently i've put up gates like you can't get to the garage door unless you get over the gates okay so in the mornings we wake up and the dogs first habit they recognize is they go to the keurig and they sit there and they Ah. know i'm going to make coffee (laughs) that's funny second habit is they go to the gate to be picked up to be put over the gate and so I didn't even know I was like teaching this habit. And and again, it's a habit for me. So I wasn't even thinking twice about it. Yeah. And I've even interrupted my own habit. Now I'm trying to run four or five times a week. So I'm not always going to the garage. So the dogs will uh-huh. sit there and wait to go work out with me. And they're like, wait, the- no, no, no. This is what <laughs> we're like, supposed to right do now. at like 530. Like, what are we doing right now? So... Um, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that in your notes, you've probably seen some similarities with like you accidentally training buddy to do something. Oh yeah. It's so true because again, like it's, it's about that awareness of our patterns, right? In the first place, we got to realize what it is that we're doing and those environmental cues will sometimes influence our pet's behavior as well. So one in one really funny story in particular was um, I didn't realize that as it was approaching, you know, Buddy's breakfast time or Buddy's dinner time, I guess I always started asking him, are you hungry? Like, oh, Buddy, are you hungry? Like, oh, you ready for breakfast? And so like there was one day where uh, my now fiance, like he was talking to me in the kitchen and he just casually asked me, you know, hey, are you hungry? And Buddy 
bolted for his crate. And it was like midday. It wasn't any time like around his normal feeding times for breakfast or dinner, but he heard it and he was like, yes, I'm going to get fed right now. And so I felt bad because I didn't even realize that I had conditioned him to to recognize that phrase. And it's hilarious now because I, I jokingly say that Jackie is a dog in a cat's body because I'm like harness training him. I'm totally going to turn him into a therapy cat. Like he just has the perfect demeanor for it. Um, he's so lovey. And he now knows the phrase, are you hungry? And he'll do like a little <laughs> meow and like start rubbing on our leg when we ask Buddy now. And it's just hilarious that, you know, sometimes the environment shapes the behaviors that we engage in and that, you know, relates to our pets and their behaviors. It relates to ourselves and, you know, our own health behaviors too, because I, I'm going to guess that somebody out there listening has a similar habit to me, which is eating in front of the television and not even paying attention to what it is that you're eating. So then you either eat too much, you go back for seconds, or you just don't even get to enjoy your meal because you're distracted. And so mm -hmm. those are different things that we, that we can kind of start paying attention to and just be more mindfully aware of what we're doing in our everyday life, trying to get out of that autopilot and just kind of noticing what we're doing in the first place. Right. Yeah. I think that's a good lesson for everyone. I mean, whether you're, like you said, snacking in front of the TV, you're scrolling. I'm terrible at this oh, yeah. right before bed. I'm like, I'm going to get on TikTok for 10 minutes. Two hours later, I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, I could have been asleep for two hours. That just You're not alone no with that one. <laughs> and I'm over here on like true crime TikTok and I'm like deep into these murder investigations. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, this is a terrible idea. So like coming off <laughs> yep. autopilot is good. We need yeah. to do that. We have to do that. Mm -hmm. And it is important to recognize if you do have a a bad habit. So, uh, I can think of a few friends who like, if they go to the pantry for a snack, the dog gets a snack. Uh huh. And I don't want to say it's a bad habit per se, cause we don't want to label things good and bad. Yes. But I, I like to, I like enforce this. Yeah. I was going to say instead of good and bad habits, I like to call them habits that we want to let go and habits that we want to grow. Um, yes. So I guess I guess I should. I'm really horrible about promoting myself, but I also wrote a book called Healthy Living Doesn't Have to Suck, and that's actually one of the chapters in there is habit hacking. And so it talks about you know when you want to make and break habits. Um, but yeah, just like you were sharing, it's it's about just paying attention and being like, oh, oops, there I go. Yeah. So you know, coming off autopilot, let's kind of think about because our dogs. While they are in autopilot, I think you could agree that they're more likely to kind of shift out of that and lift, live a little bit more in the present moment than mm -hmm. we are. So what do you think we can learn about our dog's lifestyle? I think just truly appreciating being in the moment. Like dogs are some of the most mindful creatures that we could ever possibly encounter. And we could take a page out of their book because um, I live with anxiety and anxiety about every single thing in my life. And when I get stuck on that kind of what if loop and worrying about the future and things that may or may not even happen and worst case scenario, it's like, whoo, okay. Like we don't have to, we don't have to go there. We can just come back to the present moment. And on the flip side of that, you know, when you get 
lost worrying about the past and things that you can't change or go back and do anything about, um, that can lead to depression. And so when you look at dogs, they're just focused on being in the moment with you. And I think that's really powerful because we can spend so much time up in our heads that we miss out on the beautiful moments that are happening in front of us. And so Mm -hmm. I like to say that dogs can teach us to get out of our head into the moment and just really being able to, I don't know, just, I guess, have gratitude for everything Mm -hmm. in your life, you know, whether it's, um, what I'm trying to think, you know, like dogs, well, buddy, he loves treats. And so he could get the same treat every single day. And it's just like the most magnificent treat he's ever had in his entire life. (laughs) And so, you know, just every moment is fresh and there's an appreciation to it. Um, and you know, on the same side of, on the same line of things, they don't get stuck worrying about the past and what's happened. They're not anticipating what's coming in the future. Like they're just in the moment. And I feel like a lot of us could take a a very big lesson from that. Yeah, absolutely. So before we close today, do you have anything that you've been working on that you would want to share And then I also want to make sure that everyone knows where they can find you, uh, your website, social media, all of that good stuff. So basically want you to brag on yourself to everyone (laughs) and tell them how much they need you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. So for, for my general population, um, lifestyle change information, you can find me at healthy living doesn't have to suck.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, healthy living doesn't have to suck. And also my personal Instagram, Melissa with a Y, um, for the veterinary side of things, you can find me at veterinary same with the Instagram handle. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, like I said, I love helping people meet themselves where they're at, you know, just accepting that this is where we're starting, figuring out where you want to go and, you know, again, kind of relating it back to training dogs and training ourselves, like we really have to figure out what motivates us. And so for dogs, it's a little bit easier because there's usually just like, the, oh, well, they like their food motivated, they like treats, or they are tactile, they love, you know, pets and snuggles and stuff, um, or toys, you know, there's, there's different categories that they kind of fall into. But Mm -hmm. for us, it's a lot more challenging because, again, we get up in our heads so much that we can, like, talk ourselves out of things that are good for us, which I'm infamous for. So I've had to learn that what works best for me is social accountability. (laughs) And, you know, just that's part of the process is just finding what motivates you, um, accepting and looking forward to where you want to go instead of feeling defeated and like really trying to have those shifts in mindset, lifestyle and behavior that are going to help you get to where you want to go. Um, so that's my role as a coach. You know, I kind of work with you as a team. I'm never going to tell you what you need to do because you know, you could go to the doctor and they can tell you what you need to do all day, but like, I don't follow through with that a lot of times. So that's where I kind of come in to help bridge the gap between the actual intention to change and engaging in the behaviors that you want to change. Right. Well, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, everyone, if you want to go find Melissa, whether you're a vet, a dog owner, just a person with no dog, and you just happen to be listening, make sure you find her on social media and check out her website. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brittany. 
you for tuning in to the Canine Culture Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe to the Canine Culture Podcast on your favorite podcast platform and make sure you're following us on social media. If you have any recommendations, any topics that you'd like to hear, if you know of any guests that would be good for the show, or if you yourself want to be a guest, please reach out to us. Send us an email at canineculturepodcast at gmail.com or send us a direct message on social media. Thank you for listening and please share this with any of your dog loving friends.